Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Sukkah, alternatively Masachet Sukkah, which is the way we mostly call it, Masachet Sukkah, daf bet. Page two, we are at the beginning of a new Masachet, which means we are at the beginning of a new topic, which means that we are at the beginning of a new organizational system of how the whole Masachet works. So a few words of introduction, and then Yerdena, I know you're going to dive right into the text. Um, okay. First of all, we have several things to note. There is a holiday called Sukkot. One of the mitzvot of the holiday of Sukkot is the sukkah, and it takes up a good portion of this masachet. But before that, right, before it was a holiday, there was also a place, an event of people, of the Israelites, as they left Egypt, they came to a place and they dwelled besukot. So component that kind of precedes any the actual holiday aspect of it. Then there's, of course, the holiday historical aspect of it, which is, you know, connected to the harvest, the same way that all of the regalim, all of the festivals are connected to the harvest. Um, And so when we have, when we look at the Torah's presentation of Sukkot, of the holiday of Sukkot, part of it is the holiday that's found in Vayikra. And then part of it is also the phenomenon of the people keeping the holiday and that shows up in the book of Nehemiah. So those are, that's the, let's say, some part of the origin story of the holiday, such as it is. Um, the other thing I would note is that the same way that we spoke at the end of Masachet Yoma, we spoke about how there's a Yom Kippur that we experience in this day and age, which doesn't have that much temple experience as compared, and, and for Yom Kippur, the, di- the divide is huge. For Sukkot, for Masachet Sukkah, the divide is less extensive because there is less that is specifically temple-related, but there is certainly a, a good deal of acknowledgement that there were certain things that were done differently in the time of the Beit HaMikdash as compared to how we do them now, uh, perhaps less differently than some of these other Masachot that we've seen. From Psachim and Shkalim and Yoma, all of these have been very Beit HaMikdash-heavy. So this is less so, I would say. Not not that there's none of it, but less so. Um, okay, so, um, and the last thing to comment before I just give an overview of the chapters, I think, is the fact that Shemini Atzeret, which is its own festival, and the, in the Torah it is treated as a separate holiday, and La Halacha, in practice, we treat it as a separate holiday. It is still, you know, very closely related to Sukkot in that it is attached to it, you know, in terms of being the next day. So some of that also will show up here. Some of the details that are really salient to a whole new holiday of Shemini Atzeret. Um, some of it is found here. Some of it is found in Masechet Tanit. Some of it is a later addition to the holiday, um, later than the Gemara. And it's not found in the Masechet at all. When we talk about Simchat Torah and the cycle of reading the Torah and so on, um, mostly that ends up being a later component. Okay. There are five chapters in this Masachet. The first one, we're going to define sukkah, right? What is a sukkah? Um, and the second one, the second chapter, is the rules about what does it mean to dwell in the sukkah over the holiday of Sukkot. Chapter three is about the Dalad Minim, the four species that we take a little of Etrog, Hadas, and Arava. And then chapter four brings out this business of what happens in the Beit HaMikdash versus what happens not in the Beit HaMikdash. And then lastly, chapter five, um, we'll speak about the holiday as it was experienced in the temple 
Um, and again, the mitzvah of Simchat. Uh, we, we'll talk about Simcha a good deal because the whole discussion of Simcha as a mitzvah pertaining to a yantif is most defined, I would say, in the holiday of Sukkot. So that's the, the Masachet overall. And then just to kind of hone in on, on the first parak here, um, again, as I said, there were the verses that we're going to find that will that precede the Mishnaic presentation of the mitzvot that pertain to Sukkah are found, the first is in Vayikra, right? Namely, that you should dwell in Sukkot, right? For seven days and so on. And it's connect, the the Torah connects the holiday of Sukkot to Yitzhak Mitzrayim, that God took us out of Egypt and therefore we must do this mitzvah that all the future generations will pay attention to this. And then there's a verse in Nehemiah chapter 8 where it says, um, they'll publish and they'll proclaim in all of their cities and in Jerusalem. And they say, go forth to the mountain, fetch the olive branch and the branches of wild olive and myrtle and palm branches and the boughs of dense leaf trees in order to make Sukkot as it is written. So so the, the experience of the Jews at the time in the book of Nehemiah, um, and we've talked about this, that the people coming back to the land from the Babylonian exile, they were not always um, so well-versed in what they needed to be doing. The idea that they go out to make sure that they have all the proper components that they need to build a proper sukkah, a kosher sukkah, is, I think, part of the story, part of the Shivat Zion story, the returning to Zion. Um, let me just think if there's anything else before I turn it over to you, Yardina. I don't think so. I think that's really that's really the... The gist of it, and as I say, Parak Aleph really begins with the sukkah. So I think what's different here is, unlike some of other masachot that we've done, you know, specifically Eruvin and Psachim and Yuma, they all were descriptions of things that I think were technically very hard concepts. But I'm going to guess that most of you who are listening to this and learning Daf Yomi with us have sat in a sukkah, have seen a sukkah, have seen a variety of different types of sukkahs. So, you know, this isn't going to be as foreign as, let's say, a Reuben, which I think was very technical in a certain way. And then, you know, we got Pesachim and Yuma, which describes a holiday in a way that it's totally not celebrated post Beit HaMikdash, right, in a diaspora sort of way. But Sukkah is one of those holidays that we actually do maintain a lot of it. Um, and so though that's one of the things that I will be keeping in the back of my head, knowing that this is a holiday where yes, there is a Beit HaMikdash piece, but I don't think we define it by what happened in the Beit HaMikdash, how different or how uh, you know foreign are some of the concepts going to be here that are described. Um, so I'll... So the, the way the previous Masechto, specifically Yoma and before that Psachim, they followed a chronology of the experience of those who lived in the time of the Beit HaMikdash and how that, would, how that experience would be manifest from the week before Yom Kippur or Pesachim, you know, a couple of days before and how long until they would get to Yerushalayim and so on. You know, that they're going to check for, they're going to get rid of their all the chametz in their house, houses and so on. Here, we do not have a chronology. We have, each parak is really kind of topical. So it's not that there is no, you know, passage of time. It's a week-long holiday, but it's not set up for us in the same way as a keep track of what they were doing in the Beit Mikdash. We are paying much more attention. I think you're exactly right, Yardina. We're paying much more attention to the particulars of the holiday, which include the separate mitzvot, 
So in very typical Gemara fashion, the Mishnah sort of starts in the middle, right? There's no, you know, Mishnah doesn't have the Midrash Halakha. Very rarely it does. There's no overall discussion of where does the source of the mitzvah come from? They assume you know all of that. And so it said, they're just going to start right away with some technical halachot of building the sukkah, what the physical structure needs to actually look like. So a sukkah, right? The, and here what we mean is it'll get defined a little bit, you know, more, but it means the roof of the sukkah, right? is higher than 20 amot, psula right? It is not considered to be a kosher sukkah. It is unfit to be used. For Rabbi Huda Machsha, Rabbi Huda says it is okay to use it. Excuse me. And the inverse of that is, okay, that's one that's too tall, which is one that's too short, right? That one that is not even 10 tfachim high. And it doesn't have three walls. And one where the sunlight is greater than its shade, that is also going to be an unfit sukkah. So a very technical Mishnah is how we sort of start all of this off. And it's really telling us how what is too tall, what is too short, and then sort of this general idea that it needs to have these, you know, three walls, right, or these three corners, and, um, and needs to have more shade uh, than it does, you know, of having um, sunlight. Um, and so then the Gemara starts with it's Tanan, right? So we learn a similar halacha. And what are we going to get back to? We're going to get back to a Reuben. Now, if you remember when we were in a Reuben, we discussed a lot about sukkah there. So it's nice. interesting to see, right, that this parallel sort of, they do it in both of these places. So here the idea is, is that, look, we're talking about things, structures, and how halachically is a structure built. So one is our halachic structure of a sukkah, one is our halachic structure of a Arab. And so we say the following, Hatam, right? So again, this was the beginning of a Reuben. This is really the first mission of a Reuben. So it's great to see sort of this parallel together, right? Mavoy shahu Remember, a Reuben starts the same way. That when you have a Mavoy, when you have an alleyway, and here we're talking about the beam that's across the alleyway, right? From one end of the alleyway that is opening up into the Rishus HaRabbim. Right. And so we want to allow people to be able to carry within that alleyway on Shabbat, that beam. Right. The, you know, if if it's higher than 20, 20 amot, yim'at, we need to make it lower. We have to basically lower it down. So if it's 22 amot, we need to lower it to 20 or 19 amot. Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says you do not need to lower it. So, again, parallel to 20 amot. It's Rabbi Yehuda, it's Rabbi. who for Sukkah says that he's machshirit, and for uh, a Reuben, he says you don't need, actually need to lower it. Now, the Gemara notices something very interesting here about the difference of the language in these two Mishnahs. Maishna gabi Sukkah titani psula, umaishna gabi mavoi titani takanta. Right? What is the difference that for Sukkah, the language that was used was pasul, it's unfit. And when it came to the mavoi, right? it gave a correction. It didn't say that the mavoi wasn't kosher, right? That the beam didn't work and therefore you couldn't carry. It just said, lower the beam down. It gave you a way to correct it. And so the Gemara's question is, why doesn't the Mishnah offer the same solution? What is, why does it use the language of pasul instead of using the language from the Mishnah in a Reuben where it says, right, bring it down. 
So the Gemara answers her, Sukkah do Raisa Tani Psula, Mavoy do Rabbanan Tani Takanta. Right, so with the sukkah, which is a Torah law mitzvah, right, it's a deal, raisa. So the mitzvah says it's pasul. It was not done in the right way. But it, when it comes to an alleyway, which remember we talked about, the entire concept of a reuben is basically a rabbinic law, right? This is not, it, it's, it's a way that allowed the rabbis to allow some sort of carrying and moving around on Shabbat more possible. So, you know, so there it's saying that that's rabbinic law. And therefore, you know, we're, we're able to fix it. It's not a kosher, not kosher. It's not pasul or kosher. We're able to, we're able to fix that right away. The e-boys aim of raisa, nami tani takanta. So then the Gemara says, okay, but if you want to say, even with something that is, you know, a, a Torah law, right? Why can't we also say that the Mishnah shouldn't have just given us a way to correct it? Mihu sukkah, right? So what's the difference with sukkah, right? Dinachi milsa seek, right? That there is so many pieces to sukkah, how the sukkah is built, how, right? And we already see that listed out in our first Mishnah, how tall it is, how short it is, how many walls does it need to have? There's a lot of elements to building a kosher sukkah. And so therefore, it's just, it's pasul, right? We just sort of we sort of just say it's pasul. We can't really get into vitani psula. We just say it's pasul. We can't sort of get into how you would correct it. Mavoy delo boy that doesn't have that many technicals to it. Now, I was sort of laughing when I read this line because if you learned Masachari Rubin with us, it felt very, very technical. But I think what they're trying to say is the mavoy is just a beam, right? It's just, you need to have a beam over that alleyway or there's no beam over that alleyway. And either that beam's going to be the right height or it's not the right height. So if it's not the right height, you just fix it and make it to the right height. But that's all you have to do to make that alleyway kosher now for carrying in it. So it has much less to deal with. So therefore, in that case, they're going to say that we're just going to give you the correction for it. So, I, you know, I think altogether, this is just a very interesting different way to sort of look at this. Because I think what the Gemara is trying to drive home here is, Yes, it's these are parallel in the sense of these are both halachic constructions. Literally, these are things we build that have a halachic significance to them, right? The sukkah, if you build it, it doesn't mean anything. Sukkah, the Arab really means nothing other than rabbinically, we say if you do this and you do that and you put it up, now you have an Arab and certain activities that before were prohibited are now allowed. But I think the Gemara wants to drive home here don't think this is as simple as a as an Arab. Now, again, I'm laughing about this because I think a Reuven has a reputation of being one of the most complex masachtot. Sukkah does not, but yet the Gemara is trying to tell us here, Sukkah, in a way for them, has many more details that need to be fulfilled than anything an Reuven does. I think also, when we learned a Reuven, a lot of the time it would say, and you know, let's talk about Sukkah. And let's learn from Sukkah or understand about Sukkah with regard to Erevin. I think it's important that we keep in mind that Erevin technically is Drabanan. It takes up a good chunk of real estate in, in the Gemara, but it's, no, nope, pardon the pun. I actually hadn't realized it. I was making a joke like that. It wasn't intentional. Um, right, so Erevin is is large. It's a big discussion, and it's you need halachic expertise to set up Erevin. But at the end of the day, it's a Drabanan phenomenon, whereas the mitzvah of sukkah, setting up a sukkah for the t- for the proper time of Sukkot, is Doraita, meaning it's a different category. 
So if I might have thought Erevin is bigger, right? And and it's a year long kind of thing. And so maybe we should learn from Erevin to Sukkah. The answer is, I mean, really for the most part, we learn from Sukkah to Erevin because, or the concepts anyway. It's obviously a different, um, it's a different physical construction, as you say. But it's, be, I, I think it's because Sukkah came first, right? Sukkah is the essence of a mitzvah from the very, very early days of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. I, I think that's a great point. And this goes into the next part of the Gemara here that I want to mention. So then the Gemara wants to get into, okay, how do we know this, that a Hasukkah can't be higher than 20 Amos? And the proofs they bring here really don't mention anything about 20 Amos at all. But the first one is the one I want to focus on a little bit. Amar Rabba, so Rabba says, and he quotes here a Pasuk, to Amar Kra. He's quoting a Pasuk here from Bayikra, chapter 23, verse 40, 43. So the idea here is that he quotes this Pasuk that says that for future generations, right, sitting in this Sukkah, reminds you that Hashem made the Jewish people, right, B'nai Israel had to live in a Sukkah when he took them out of Mitzrayim. And then the Gemara goes on to say, up to 20 amot, uh, uh, a person is aware he's in a sukkah. So the idea is you need to have this awareness that you're in a sukkah, according to Rabbah, in order to understand or to remember, right? This is language to me that's similar to Pesach, to remember something about an experience of the generation that Hashem took out of, uh, out of Mitzrayim. So if it's high, if that roof is higher than 20 amot, you're, it's just like you're sitting outside. You're not going to realize that you're in a sukkah. It's not going to feel enclosed enough, right? Because his eye does not catch sort of the sight of the roof. It would be too high up. Now, I'm not going to go through the rest of what they do here, but it's interesting to see. So then they go through an opinion of Rabbi Zera. He quotes a pasuk from Yishayahu, right? Abai gets involved with this also. Um, and then Rabba comes. He quotes a, a, a different pasuk from Bayikra, the, the, the pasuk that was quoted that is there before the pasuk that Rabba quotes. Um, and so Abai, again, he challenges that a little bit. But on Ahmed Bet, the Gemara then gets into a discussion of why do you need all three? And they sort of go through what's good about, what's weak about Rabbi Zera's pasuk, what's weak about Rabba's pasuk, what's weak about Rabba's pasuk. But I think, again, this is a good example of Midrash Halakha, where you get the sense that these are Amorayim, right? These are not Tanayim, who they know the Halakha is this 20 Amot thing. They're going back and sort of being like, all right, let me see where I can find it in a pasuk. But it's very different than what we saw with Psachim and Yuma, where there was a pasuk spelled out and they said, based on this pasuk, that's how I know this halacha, or this is how I know it was done. Here, I think we're seeing it's the opposite type of midrash halacha. We have the Mesorah. We know how something was done. Now we're going to go back. The Amorayim are going to go back and say, okay, can I find a pasuk that proves this? And I think when you read those pasukim, right, they're not really, nothing says 20 amot, you know, uh, uh, explicitly. These are all sort of ways of sort of trying to read the psukim and, and reading this 20 amot rule into it. I think also let's just keep in mind that, you know, when we talk about 20 amot, here it's math again, Gardena, right? 20 amot means if Dalit amot is six to eight feet, 
right? So then multiply that by five, and we've got, you know, 30 to what? 30 to 40 feet. So 30 to 40 feet high from the ground is a pretty high sukkah. So it's not, you know, when they say that this is a, a, a complicated issue, it's a complicated issue, but it's also not the most common way anybody is going to go set up a sukkah if they're not trying to illustrate what this mission shows. Well, I think that's an excellent point. And, you know, again, I, 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 I think well, one of the things we're going to see with sukkah is everyone knows sort of like what the sukkah is supposed to look like. And when you read the psukim in the Torah, it just says like, but there's no details. If you think about it, it's pretty amazing that there's no detail at all about what does the sukkah look like? How are we supposed to build it? And I think therefore sukkah is a wonderful example of the interplay between Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat al We know that mitzvah exists. It's there in Torah Shabbat It's written out, but it's needing the Torah Shabbat al to really fill in all the details of what a sukkah actually is. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us reviews where you get your podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think about our new Masachet, Masachet Sukkah, and your experience um, already, and your experience of Sukkot. We will have much to discuss in the coming days. Um, until tomorrow, go and learn. Mm-hmm.